welcome to episode 83 of George's Random Astronomical Object. Every episode, I run a random number generator to select random astronomical coordinates in the sky, and I then search for an astronomical object near those coordinates and talk about what makes the object so interesting to astronomers. So, I will now turn on the random number generator. Once upon a time, don't worry about that broken spring. That was supposed to happen. The random number generator has returned the coordinates of 8 hours, 7 minutes, 57.5 seconds right ascension, and plus 4 degrees, 32 minutes, 35 seconds declination. These coordinates point to the object 4C05.34, which is a quasar located in the constellation of Canis Minor. The 4C in the name refers to the 4th Cambridge Catalog which, as it sounds, is the fourth in the series of astronomical catalogs from Cambridge University. The objects in the various Cambridge catalogs are sources of radio emission. The most famous of these catalogs is the third Cambridge catalog, sort of like how Grand Theft Auto 3 is the most famous game in the Grand Theft Auto series. In that case, the fourth Cambridge catalog is like Grand Theft Auto 4. The 4th Cambridge Catalog was published in the 1960s, and it included both the identification of radio emission from astronomical objects previously identified at other wavelengths, as well as objects never seen before in any part of the electromagnetic spectrum, and that included 4C05.34. As I said before, this object is a quasar, which is a type of galaxy with an active galactic nucleus, or AGN. To briefly review, a typical AGN consists of a supermassive black hole, millions or billions of times the mass of the sun, a disk of gas falling into the black hole, and jets above the poles of the black hole that form from hot gas from the disk that was deflected away from the black hole itself by its magnetic fields. These jets typically produce a lot of radio emission, which is why lots of astronomers use radio telescopes to identify and study AGN. Quasars are a subset of galaxies with AGN where the jets are pointed nearly but not quite directly towards the Earth, so the radio emission from quasars looks like it comes from very small regions in the sky. One of the most interesting things about 4C05.34 is that it was, in 1970, the number one most distant astronomical object that anyone knew about. This makes 4Z05.34 the equivalent of the number one song from 1970, Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water. Both 4Z05.34 and Simon and Garfunkel would go on to win several Grammys, and that included Bridge Over Troubled Water winning Best Song of the Year, and 4Z05.34 winning Best Performance by a Supermassive Black Hole. But despite these numerous achievements, 4Z05.34 could not prevent the breakup of one of the greatest grave duos in music history. 
Anyway, let's get back to science. As I said before, 4Z0534 was the most distant object in the universe that anyone knew about in 1970. However, to describe the distance to this object, I'm going to spend some time reviewing how professional astronomers talk about distances to other galaxies. I've actually briefly covered some of this material in previous episodes, but I'm going to do a deep dive in this episode. For objects within our galaxy and for nearby galaxies, astronomers can use various techniques to determine the actual physical distances to these objects in one way or another. And these distances are expressed in units such as light years or parsecs, which are equivalent to about 3.26 light years or kiloparsecs or megaparsecs. When astronomers first started measuring distances to other galaxies, they discovered that most galaxies appear to be moving away from ours, which stretches out the light waves and makes them redder. Or, in other words, the light is redshifted. The astronomers also discovered that galaxies that are located further away appear to be moving faster than galaxies that are closer. These discoveries demonstrate that the universe was expanding and led to the Big Bang Theory, the scientific theory and not the TV show. But these discoveries also allowed astronomers to use the redshifting of light as a proxy for distance. For galaxies within a couple hundred million light years of Earth, the redshifting of light corresponds to velocities of hundreds or thousands of kilometers per second. And these velocities can be multiplied by a constant called the Hubble constant, named after Edwin Hubble, to convert them to distances. For more distant galaxies, though, the light is so redshifted that the velocities would be equivalent to fractions of the speed of light, so astronomers like to describe the distances in the terms of the quantity z, or if you're British, z, which describes how much the light waves are stretched out. More specifically, 1 plus z is equal to the ratio of the observed or redshifted wavelength of light to the original wavelength of light. In the case of 4Z0534, the value of Z is equal to 2.873, which means that the quasar is moving so quickly away from us that the wavelengths of light are stretched out to 3.873 times their original size. When average professional astronomers talk to each other, they would say that the Z for 4Z0534 is 2.873, and all of them would understand exactly what they're talking about. However, most other people who aren't professional astronomers want to know the actual distances to these astronomical objects. And in fact, professional astronomers usually get asked, how far away is that? Also, people want these distances in some sort of units like light years or kilometers or miles because they're American or furlongs because they think other people will think that they're clever for choosing furlongs or maybe inches or fathoms or angstroms or cubits or nautical miles, because they are either biblical scholars, professional mariners, or truly abnormal human beings. In this podcast series, I've almost always tried to state distances to other astronomical objects because, as I said earlier, people really want to know how far away things are. I also normally try to describe distances using at least light years, Although I also include parsecs because professional astronomers use parsecs. Light years and parsecs work for things in our galaxy and for nearby galaxies, 
but they don't work well for things as far away as 4C05.34, where the physics gets weird, or to use the technical term, relativistic. The light from 4Z05.34 would have spent about 11.25 billion years to get to Earth, but most professional astronomers would not necessarily say that this is equivalent to a distance of 11.25 billion light-years. One reason is because relativity effects have caused 4Z05.34 to decrease in brightness so much that it looks like it's actually about 79 billion light-years away. This is called the luminosity distance. By the way, current estimates are that the universe is about 13.5 billion years old. However, relativity also affects the size of the quasar as it is seen from Earth, so that it seems like it's only about 5.25 billion light-years away. This is called the angular size distance. These different distances and the general weirdness make everything confusing, and this is why professional astronomers just like to use Z and ignore using light-years or megaparsecs for things that are really far away. So, at a Z of 2.873, 4Z05.34 was the most redshifted object, and therefore the most distant object, that professional astronomers knew about in 1970. It would continue to be the most distant object that astronomers would know about until 1973, when astronomers discovered that the quasar OH471 was at a Z of 3.408. However, 4Z05.34 would continue to be interesting for other reasons, and one of those reasons was that astronomers discovered multiple gas clouds between us and the quasar. Hot hydrogen gas clouds in space will emit light at very specific wavelengths, and when astronomers make spectra of things that contain hot hydrogen gas, these specific wavelengths of light look like very narrow lines, so astronomers call them spectral lines. However, cold hydrogen gas clouds in space will absorb light at those same wavelengths. In spectra of light that pass through such clouds, these specific wavelengths of light will look like dark lines against the bright rainbow-like backgrounds. Astronomers measured the redshift, or Z, of 4Z05.34 using light emitted in the form of bright hydrogen spectral lines at multiple specific wavelengths. However, multiple gas clouds sit between us and the quasar, and because those gas clouds are closer to us, or because those galaxies are at lower z, those gas clouds do not appear to be moving as quickly away from us as the quasar itself. As seen from Earth, the hydrogen gas in these cold gas clouds absorbs light at slightly shorter or bluer wavelengths than the wavelength at which hydrogen emits light from the quasar and these clouds create dark lines in the spectrum of 4Z05.34. These days, this phenomenon is actually a well-known way for astronomers to search for hidden clouds of hydrogen gas in space, and to study the structure of the universe. However, back in the 1970s, when people were just beginning to understand quasars, this was revolutionary. Astronomers were really surprised to find lots of dark spectral lines in the spectrum of 4Z05.34. The subsequent analysis of 4Z05.34's spectrum turned out to be way ahead of its time, 
And that is why astronomers still reference these old science results from this quasar. So that's my summary of what astronomers find so exciting about 4Z05.34 and the location on the Earth's surface corresponding to the position of 4Z05.34 in the sky is the Celebes Sea, which lies between the Philippines, the island of Borneo, and the island of Sulawesi. The Celebes Sea looks like an excellent place for snorkeling and scuba diving, and it's apparently a good place to find whale sharks. So, when you think of quasars, think of whale sharks. They're both really massive, although only one of these things has cartilaginous skeleton. If you're like me and you have Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits stuck in your head and you want to listen to something else, you can go to the website for this podcast at www.randomastronomicalobject.com. You can visit the website to download episodes of the show, read information about the astronomical objects, view images of those astronomical objects, look up additional reference information, and send me random feedback. The audio was recorded and edited by George Bendo. The music is Immersion by Sasha Endy at www.sasha-endy.de and the sound effects are from the Freesound Project at www.freesound.org. Thanks for listening. 